Welcome to John's Intersection. I'm your host, John Baker. One promise I want to make to all of my listeners is that I will always talk from an unbiased perspective and, of course, to talk about politics as we all know it today. But before we get going, I would like to lift up thoughts and prayers for El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. It's time for Congress to come together to solve this crisis, and may God bless everyone who has been affected by the latest tragedies. So without further ado, let's get to the talk. So as you may know, tonight is my first podcast, and tonight I will also have um, my first guest, which is my father who got me into politics. So tonight is a first for everything, I guess. Um, So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the headlines and name my sources. I'm going to ask you some questions at time, at times, but um, you are willing at any time to input, uh, make your input after I read the headline. Got it? Okay. All right, let's get going. So my first one, my first headline is, is everybody must know who Stacey Abrams is. Um, the New York Times reported that Stacey Abrams will not run for president in 2020. She will focus on voter protection program. What do you What do you think about her not running for president? Well, I think she is uh, would would have been a popular candidate for the Democratic Party, uh, but you say she's going to be focusing on what? Focus on voter protection program. I quote. Hmm. Voter protection. It's kind of ironic to me that uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, a Democrat, um, would be focusing on voter protection. I wonder if it's voter protection as meaning legal voters or if it would be voter protection in getting the most voters. Okay, so me, you and I can both agree that both um, that Russia did try to intervene in the 2016 election. Do you think that this has something to do with um, trying to keep Russia out of trying to intervene with our democracy? Or how do you see it from that, from your own perspective? Well, I, just, I don't know how much uh, they're coming together on keeping foreign entities out of our election. Uh, it just appears to me that there's been much more tampering domestically, uh, such as, as I stated before, uh, having uh, folks who are not legal citizens uh, or folks, uh, as it was documented in several places, people voting who were uh, deceased. Um, things like that takes place a lot more than they should. Uh, should we protect ourselves from Russia interfering? Uh, yes, we should, uh, but I think that comes more from uh, you know, different places than Stacey Abrams. I totally agree with you, and maybe that's something that all politicians could uh, come together on, keeping um, other countries out of our future elections. Uh, I think we both, you and I, agree on that. All right, uh, we'll move on to the next topic. Um, U.S. News reports that um, Trump will hold off of latest tariffs on China to help consumers for the Christmas season. Well, I think it's uh, I think it is a wise move um, to hold up on those for the holidays. Uh, obviously, the holidays is a big time for um, the merchants and um, small businesses and such to uh, you know make up for the year. And uh, but I also feel like though that it is important for China to know that we're serious. 
Uh, so the tariffs, um, the threat of the tariffs must be real. Um, we can't just monkey around. Um, so I agree with his strategy. Uh, I don't agree with everything he does, um, but I agree with most of what he does. And I believe this is a wise move uh, for our people. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, Trump is obviously not scared to threaten China with tariffs, and he's shown that for pretty much his whole term so far. Um, but would you agree with me by saying that um, even though it's gearing up for holiday season, maybe this is the step in the right direction bet- in between the um, trade negotiations with those sides as they've um, yet to come to common ground. Do you think this is a positive step? I don't think things have taken steps backwards here recently. Uh, I believe um, I believe that there ha- there's been some forward motion. Um, they, much like uh, Iran and uh, North Korea on different fronts, um, both need to see us standing firm. Um uh, but I do believe that they've made some headway. It sounds like the negotiations are, are moving forward. Um, and I guess the other thing is just making sure that China isn't devaluing their currency any further. Um, and I would like to see you know further measures on that. Um, while we're on China and we're on the trade topic, I would like to go to uh, Raiders. Um, China called on the U.S. to meet it halfway for a potential trade deal. What d- Does this sound real, or is this just maybe China messing around with the U.S.? Do you see this as a real negotiation, or is China just fooling the U.S.? Well, um, I think with all of the tariffs that we're getting ready to hit, I mean, it could be real. Um, I lean to the fact that uh, things have not gotten serious with them until we applied pressure. So in that respect, I do believe that there is some sincerity there. Um, but if we relax, um, it'll go right back where it was. This has been a long trade war, probably something the most um, craziest trade war that I've ever seen in my entire 17 years of my life. So um, while we're on the economy, I want to move on to... Um, what could be known as another the Great Recession, um, and according to Fox Business, the U.S. economy uh, is heading into free fall that could be worse than the Great Recession of 2008. Is this real, or is this just talk? Well, I think the things that people are looking at, and, I, and by no means am I an expert at, at, at the economy, um, but from my perspective and from what I understand from people who do know more than me, is that the economy has been doing well for so long now, and they expect as a trend um, that things will have a downturn, um, and also the threat of what the tariffs would do um, if they did fully land. Would we go through a, a period in time in which um, uh, things would fall off to a great degree? And I think we do stand a risk of there being uh, kind of a mini-recession, uh, if those tariffs have to hit, unfortunately, it may hit at a bad time uh, for the elections, uh, you know, and, and we've had it good under Trump. And I don't believe that's attributed to past uh, administrations. So to answer your question, I think there is a risk of that. 
it aligns with things that we must do in holding China, um, holding China to the fire. Um, so depending on how that lands and how quickly the negotiations can happen, there would be a risk of a, um, a lightweight or mini recession. Uh, so that's, that was going to be my next question about the Great Recession, is maybe it's, it's a scare to the stock markets because um, this trade war has gone on and on and on. We both agree on that, right? The trade war has been a big part in why the Great Recession could happen. Well, um, in actuality, the, the war hasn't been going on that long. I don't believe I don't has been going on as long. I think we it's been one sided for so long. Uh, it's only become a war recently. Uh, it should have been a war sooner, or wouldn't be where we are. Uh, China owns us, and for the reasons of our policies in the past. So there needs to be a war. There needs to be a war because you've got to fight a battle to gain the ground back. Okay, and um, to cap this off on the economy on the Great Recession. Um, someone saying from Fox Business that if the Great Recession happens, it could start before Trump's first term is up. Well, it's very possible. Um, I think it all boils down to uh, this next uh, 30 days as to how these uh, trade talks, if they continue to proceed and we don't have a downturn, then I think a recession would happen after the election. All right. Um, anything to add on the economy as far as uh, the trade war with China? No, I think I think that about covers it for now. Okay, uh, let's move on to segment two. We will be holding um, some election news. Um, of course, we've already covered Stacey Abrams, but I had um, I had Trump tariffs news on behind that. So uh, let's move on to some real election news. It said um, from CNN. Um, it says, why Texas could go blue in 2020. Many House Republicans have already announced retirements, plus Bayer O'Rourke is from Texas. He's a native from Texas. So um, if Beto um, could potentially win the Democratic nomination, or if he doesn't, do you see Texas going blue in 2020 either way? Well, first off, Beto's not winning the nomination. Okay. Mark that down. Um Beto, um, Beto was a uh, a big splash in the, in the early going, but I don't believe that he has got the staying power um, based on his uh, radical um, opinions. And uh, I believe the fact that he would take our uh, take our guns away, I think, will will be enough to keep him out of the nomination because they're still they're still honest uh, you know democratic people um, who who realize the implications here and so I don't think he'll get the nomination uh, I don't believe that you're gonna see Texas turn uh, blue uh, either I believe that Texas has and has, has appreciated what Trump has done for the border and the appreciation um, I believe goes deeper than the media is uh, allowing us to see. So I think for those two reasons, I believe it'll stay a red state. And you're right about one thing. Uh, Beta was definitely a popular guy in the uh, early going. 
he definitely gave Senator Cruz a ride um, back in the midterms. That was a really close election. I think you agree with me on that. Um, moving on, um, the next topic is from the Hill. Um, of course, it's still early. Primaries haven't started yet, but the Hill is reporting, um, according to a Fox News poll, that Trump is losing to Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris already. Yeah, well, I go back to the last election, the last presidential election, where all the polls had Trump um, behind by so far, and we see that those were all skewed. Uh, I believe that's a media tactic, scare tactic, uh, to cause people to uh, panic and maybe not go to the polls. I don't believe the polling right now. I believe we have a recent reminder as to how skewed uh, the media is, and I believe that's only grown. Um, you know, I'm not for name-calling, uh, but I will say the, the media is most definitely 90% uh, liberal. Okay, thank you for your input on that. Um, moving on, uh, some, more, some more Democratic uh, primary news. Um, CNN released a uh, poll of um, ranking the top Democratic um, campaigns as of right now after the latest round of debates. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read them um, off in order. It's, there's only a top ten, and uh, you tell me if you think differently. Um, after the latest performance. Number 10, Andrew Yang. Um, number 9, Beto O'Rourke. Num this one's very surprising to me. I thought he would be ranked top 5. Number 8, Julian Castro. Um, number 7, Amy Klobger. And then uh, number 6, Cory Booker. I'm also very surprised about Cory Booker being number 6. Um, number five, Mayor Pete. Um, he's number five. Number four, Bernie Sanders. It's also very surprising to me. Uh, number three, Kamala Harris. That's no surprise. Uh, number two, Elizabeth Warren. And then, of course, number one, Joe Biden. Anything that sticks out to you in that top ten? Well, um, you know, it's kind of tough right now, but... Uh, I definitely see that top end, the uh, 10 through two, through 5, uh, really doesn't even matter. Um, but that top 5, uh, those guys are going to have some staying power uh, there. I believe Biden will be there, um, but I believe Biden will, will fall even further. I, I don't believe that he should be number 1 right now coming out of those, uh, uh, those last debates. Uh, I feel like probably in light of uh, the voters that they were in front of, um, I believe that probably Kamala Harris uh, should have come out a little bit ahead overall. Um, she came after uh, Biden pretty well in that first debate, and uh, so I think uh, her momentum is still is still there. Um, you know, would, would, I, would I say that, uh, you know, she'll be the candidate to win, I think she has a very strong uh, possibility there. I think uh, you've got a few people, like I say, that's on the, the strong slide there. Um, who did you say number three was? Um, number three is Kamala Harris. Okay, and two was uh, Elizabeth Warren. I think Elizabeth Warren is is probably uh, probably more of a three. Biden probably more of a two, and Kamala Harris probably more of a one. 
And and why would you say that um, most Democrats have Joe Biden on top right now? Um, he's what they feel like uh, is, um, in their eyes, the most capable of going toe to toe with Trump, uh, because I believe that uh, the radical left side, uh, the radical left wing, um, th there there are fewer of those than in the Democratic Party right now than. Um, most people would think because all we see is the radical side of it. Uh, so I think this is a this is a balancing of this is the most moderate candidate that they have, and I believe that's the reason why uh, he has risen to the top. But he's not the strongest candidate as far as going toe to toe uh, with Trump. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna misstep too often to to be able to pull that off. And he's bent a whole lot uh, and moved his stance too far uh, to accommodate. So he would have been better off to stay moderate and uh, um, and stay more to the center and rather than moving to the left with the rest of the candidates if he wanted to stay in the number one slot, my okay. opinion. Okay. Um, staying in those little rankings, um, moving on to Fox News. Fox News released something that says... Um, Elizabeth Warren is ranked second now, while Bernie Sanders falls. Anything that sticks out there? Uh, I would say that uh, Bernie um, and Elizabeth both both are uh, kind of in that same same spot. Nothing new. Uh, they're not they're not really giving us anything new. They're both uh, still kind of coming across as pretty kooky, um, and uh, you know some of their ideas are. Are, are really out there, um, and they kind of start that wave of, of the ones that are putting things out there that we know that, one, we can't pay for, um, and two, don't make sense. I mean, common sense kind of eliminates some of these guys. And um, what do you think the reason is for the fall of Bernie Sanders? His campaign has not really been doing that well. Well, uh, again, uh, when the truth comes out about some of what it's going to cost us to, to do Medicare uh, for all, uh, Medicaid for all, uh, you know, I believe that you start to see that uh, there's not been a whole lot of thought uh, that can be backed up in his platform. Yes, a nice thing to say, free, 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 but really it's not free. Uh, somebody's got to pay for this stuff. And uh, I think as people are realizing that, uh, you know, Bernie is not going to be able uh, to pull off uh, what he's promising without a very large price tag. And that's the reason why he's not making forward motion. Thank you for answering that. Um, while we're on the topic of Elizabeth Warren, let's move on to our next source, CNN. It says, after the latest round of debates... The debate gives big boost to Elizabeth Warren. I don't know what to say there. Uh, I don't know why they would have given her a big boost. Uh, like I say, I kind of think she's just kind of been neutral. Um, allow me to um, uh, make my opinion stated here and see if you agree with me. Um, Elizabeth Warren, I think uh, she went she went after Trump a lot, and I think the way that she went after Trump was the reason why she got such a big boost. Do you think that because she was effective and because she actually looked like she knew what she was talking about, 
do you agree with me that that is why um this debate is giving a big boost to Warren and and practically move her up to second place right now? Well, I, th- I think that maybe she hasn't misstepped as much as say Biden has, uh, even though they still have Biden before her. Um, it, it appears to me that uh, maybe she seems more sound in the way she speaks, uh, but her platform is still nonsense. Um, that's that's the issue. Um, you know, a lot of what she's got here is mu- not much different than Sanders. All right. Um, this is one of our last topics for the uh, Democratic primaries. Not the last one, but one of the last. Um, according to NBC, Iowa's Asian and Latino coalitions have endorsed Kamala Harris for the 2020 caucus. Anything that stands out there to you, maybe, uh, is this going to give her the victory in Iowa, or is this big for the Harris campaign? Um, I think it's big for the um, for the Harris campaign. Uh, does she ultimately come out with the um, with the, the thumbs up in Iowa? Uh, I don't think so. I think Iowa may may fall more to um, to the traditional um, uh, Democrat voter, uh, and I think Biden probably takes uh, takes Iowa. But I do believe that it it moves Kamala more towards the top for some of those uh, next states. Okay, um, moving on, uh, we're going to skip um, into the Republican uh, primaries. Um, according to Multiple.com, uh, Bill Weld has continues to call Trump a racist and warns the GOP about Trump. Anything that stands out here about Bill Weld calling his own party and his own president a racist? Well, first off, they've got they've got no evidence uh, here. Everything that they're saying, they're calling racist here, uh, is is the same thing that he's using. Uh, he's just falling in line with what the liberal media is going with. And uh, to be honest with you, how can he call himself a Republican anymore? Uh, Trump has an overwhelming majority of the Republican voters with him, for him. And, uh, you know, he, he is not standing in the right party. He needs to just go ahead and call himself a Democrat. And that's what I was going to ask you is, is it's, it's a traditional, it's, it's almost like an American uh, traditional value that you have both sides calling each other names, correct? Um, and so it, you're going to have Democrats and Republicans and independents call each other names, but it's one thing where you have a president and someone from your own party uh, calls you a racist. That just really sticks out there. And um, I'm very surprised that he would say something like that because is it going to hurt the Republican Party? I mean, if he calls himself a Republican, he's hurting his own party. You would expect that from a Democrat, not a Republican. Well, I think actually that's probably the the tactic that's going down. I think ultimately um, he is... He is uh, democratic in in his in his stance, uh, and uh, I think it does more. They think it does more damage uh, by planting him uh, in the uh, Republican side of things. But I believe that uh, I believe here that you're going to find that uh, his voice is uh, is not going to land with very many bo- voters. I don't think it does much damage at all. Okay, um, 
we're going to move back on to the uh, Democratic primaries and then back into the Republican primaries, just the way that I put it in order. Um, according to 538, um, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, if I got that correct, excuse me, announced on Thursday he is dropping out of the presidential race. Anything that sticks out there to you? I mean, we, we have a lot of people uh, running for president on the Democrat side. Anything that stands out there? I think you see an acceleration of the dropouts uh, within a few months. Uh, I believe it's about time for, the, for it to start thinning down. So, no, it doesn't surprise me. And just to clarify to you, um, in my 17 years of life, I've never seen so many candidates from both sides even run for president. In your 40 years of life, have you ever seen these this many candidates at one time running for president on both sides? No. Uh, between, uh, you know, the last election's uh, uh, Republican side of things uh, and then this year's uh, Democratic side, uh, no, I think it's been the most candidates. Uh, everybody wants that uh, top office. Well, I must say this. I think we'll see more of this. I think it makes it more interesting for the media to cover and, um, you know, who knows, there may be someone out there who they think is fit. So I, I just think we're going to see a lot more crowded fields in the future from the president's um, opponent party, if that makes sense. Well, not only that, I think uh, Donald Trump has also set some things in motion that we're going to start seeing more businessmen and common, more what we consider common folks, relatable candidates, not career politicians, running for the office, which that in and of itself uh, will widen the field on its own. Um, moving on back into the Republican primary, um, a potential uh, primary challenge to Trump. We already have Bill Weld, of course, a former Massachusetts governor. Um, according to Fox News, Mark Sanford, former South Carolina representative, will announce on Labor Day about a potential primary challenge to President Trump. Do you think he has a challenge to beat Trump? What does this mean to the Republican Party, and what does this mean to the 2020 election? I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think with how Mark exited the uh, South Carolina uh, governor's position, uh, office, uh, I believe he's tarnished uh, the one state that uh, probably he could have swayed a, a good many people. Um, will he have an effect? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I think for the most part, Mark did a pretty good job for uh, the years that he served before he, he got into the, to the moral um, decay um, and, uh, and mishandling of, of state funds. Um, I, I believe that was the case, uh, but definitely the, the moral issue. Uh, I think, I think it'd be limited. He, he may draw a little bit. Um, but I don't think it'll be enough. Um, honestly, I think Trump wins by landslide. All right, and then my next source, The Hill, I think this pretty sums up um, former South Carolina Representative Mark Sanford's uh, choice to run for president. It says from The Hill, Sanford headed to New Hampshire. Anything that stands out there, I pretty much think that sums it up, that he's going to be running for president. What do you think? Uh, I know he had, he had. There was some rumblings that he that he might seek uh, seek to run for president. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think it would be a bad move on his part, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm like you. Uh, you know, a lot of people running. Uh, 
uh, why not jump in? Why not throw your hat in? Um, before we head to our next segment, um, do you think anyone from the Republican side has any chance to give President Trump a scare at all? No, not unless uh, something big happens uh, in between uh, now and uh, the time that the uh, that things really kick off. Um, I don't believe there'll be anybody that will even um, come close to challenging President Trump. He's done a great job with the economy. Uh, he's he's taken the fight to the people that we need to take the fight to. Uh, he's 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 definitely done a great job um, with um, you know foreign. Uh, relationships, and uh, although it's been rocky at times, uh, he's not fearful to jump in there, and he won't just give people what they want. Uh, he negotiates, and I think that's his strength. Um, so I don't have a problem with things coming along slow, and I think most people feel the same way. Um, they see an improvement in those areas, and those are things that we're super concerned about, our safety uh, and being able to uh, put bread on the table for our families. Um, so I think in both of those areas, I believe uh, President Trump is doing a great job. All right, that wraps, wraps up our um, first segment. Um, let's move on to segment two, back to um, the Democrats. All right, um, from USA Today, according to USA Today, I shall say, um, Bernie Sanders' campaign is reportedly the top um campaign who is spending the most money and they are also receiving the most money um, between both sides so far. That's from January 1st to June 30th of uh, this year. He is uh, taking uh, $36.2 million so far. That's from uh, January 1st to June 30th of this year. So he's out fundraising Trump as well? Yeah. Trump is number two. Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of with that is uh, Bernie obviously represents those super extreme left-wing folks. I mean, there's not going to be anybody any uh, further out there than Bernie. So I would say he's probably drawing those uh, um, super wealthy um, givers there from, from the far left. Um, so there's probably a lot of folks that we're not aware of. It'd be interesting to see that donor list. Yeah, I was I was really um really amazed by this report that Bernie Sanders is out fundraising Donald Trump. Uh, I was very amazed by that. I thought thought Trump would be um out fundraising uh, Bernie Sanders. So that's definitely a big surprise. Well, the other thing you have to keep in mind too, though, um, you know, uh, you know, Trump did a, a whole lot with very little uh, this last time. I don't I don't know if Trump really thought he would win, to be honest. Uh, Trump just goes wide open at everything he does. But he did so much with just a little bit of uh, a little bit of investment there. Uh, so um, I don't know that you can go dollar to dollar. Uh, I don't know how uh, Sanders would run um, a presidential campaign if he went nose to nose with Trump. Could he make the dollars go as far as Trump can? That would be an interesting uh, angle to look at. I agree with you. It sure would. Um, moving on, uh, NBC reports that Montana Governor Steve Bullock accuses Tom Steyer, a billionaire hedge and a fund manager and liberal mega donor, of buying his way into the third presidential debate. Do you agree with this report, or 
shall I say, with Governor Bullitt. Do you agree that uh, Steyer has fought his way into the third presidential debate? Well, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not aware of that report, uh, so I don't know that I could uh, really make a, a good comment on that one. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, do you, do you think Bullock is telling the truth? Is, is a billionaire, uh, Tom Steyer, is he buying his way into the third presidential debate? Because I'll be honest with you, I've never heard of this candidate before, so could it be possible uh, that he's buying his way into the debate so he can get, um, some media attention? Is that possible? Well, uh, I think it's always possible. Uh, if someone sees that someone has a, a lot of money and they're a viable option as far as uh, having the funds to run a legitimate campaign then they may be able to uh, you know get the stage at least one time just to see how they do um my next question to you as crowded as the democratic field is right now is it okay for Tom Steyer let's say he is buying his way into it is it okay for him to do that because the field is so crowded is it okay for him to do that? Because maybe he wants his voice to be heard, so maybe he has a chance. Is that okay? Well, I mean, I, I would say that uh, the powers that be have allowed it. So it, it more comes down to what is the criteria uh, for being in one of the debates. Uh, I thought it was drawing so much percentage of uh, the voters, uh, the potential voters, uh, to be able to be a part of that. Maybe I'm wrong uh, in that uh stance, but uh, I believe that, um, you know, I would go more to what is that criteria. If there's no guidelines for preventing him from being in it, and this is the first opportunity he has to be heard, then, then I don't have a problem with him being there. If he, if he uh, doesn't gain any momentum from the debate, then maybe he's not invited to, to the next one. Totally agree with you. I think you only need to be on the debate if... Um you got some momentum going, you have some attention, you got some voters, most importantly, you need voters to be on the debate stage. But I think that in this crowded field, I think that he deserves a chance to throw his voice out there and let the voters hear what he has to say. And then after that, just like you said, if he doesn't have any momentum, then um, that's where you say you, you shouldn't be in the debate. But I think for right now, it's okay. He needs to have his voice heard because he is a presidential candidate. And um, I just think he deserves a chance. Yeah. All right, um, that wraps up segment two. We're going to move on to segment three. Um, election security, a lot of President Trump in this. Um, as we've already uh, discussed, uh, Stacey Abrams as what she's focusing on and why she's not running. That was uh, at the very beginning. Um, but according to Think Progress, a judge says Georgia must get rid of outdated voting machines by the 2020 election. Anything stand out to you by that report? Uh, I do think we need to keep technology uh, crisp with the voting machines and, and keep down the opportunity for uh, things that have happened in the past. Um, we don't want any hanging chads, that's for sure. Uh, so um, I do think we need to stay in front of things. I think we've, we've seen in the past how easily it is uh, for people to scrutinize uh, the voting process. So the more we can narrow that down, uh, the better off we are. And, and also to be tamper-resistant um, is the main thing. So if technology gives us that, then 
yes, let's uh, let's replace some of those a little bit at a time. So should this be something that not just Georgia does, but that every state does? So that way that every state knows that they have the right uh, security for voters. Ultimately, yes, uh, that would be a, a huge get for our country. Uh, but it also comes down to those states' budgets. Can they afford um, to, to do that? So if they can, I believe they probably should seek to stay um, up with the times. Okay, moving on, um, our next source is The Hill. Um, Trump says that the voter ID must play a very strong part in deal on election security. Do you agree with that statement and why? Okay, so voter ID um, essentially proves that, one, you're, you're a legitimate um, U.S. citizen. I say legitimate U.S. citizen because... Uh, one, uh, being legitimate, you know, means that, that you're not a fraud, an imposter of someone else, uh, you know, taking on the identity of someone that's deceased, uh, but also that you've, you've gone through the process of, of being, of earning the opportunity to vote uh, in our election. Um, if you haven't went through the, uh, the process to do so, or you are trying to counterfeit or... Uh, conduct fraudulent behavior to in to to have your way in an election uh, then I don't you know we've got to do whatever we can to keep those folks uh, you know out of the process uh, completely and so yes I believe that uh, having um, having that taken care of before this election would be a huge get all right and so you agree with the voter IDs correct yes and so if you did it would um, every citizen have to go through this process? Because isn't there already a um, voter ID as of right now? Well, um, you know, um, we have the process in which uh, you know you get your license and you uh, you know you sign up for um, voter registration. At that point, I think what what this would do it would be an additional process that would align uh, your identity, uh, your true identity, um, you know, to a, to a greater degree. So I think what we're saying is it's too easy to just get a license. Um, you know, they have tightened down that a lot. Um, and now with the real ID and all of this uh, that a lot of the states are, are doing, or South Carolina's doing, I think that's starting to close the loophole, but I think this would kind of uh, give us a flat line of uh, knowing that everybody's going through the same process. So, yes, all citizens would have to uh, take some additional steps, but I don't think it'd be too difficult, and I think it's worth um, what it would afford, um, you know, in our elections. Uh, my final question on, on this segment is, um, do you think that the voter IDs will be effective very quickly, or would it um, would it grow more effective over time? Well, I think it would be effective immediately. Um, however, I don't know that we have enough time to get it in place for this next uh, presidential election because uh, obviously our lawmakers uh, don't move very quickly because they're so divided. So I don't think it's happening this go-round. I think it's going to take... Um, 
you know, having some uh, change in the house um, there, uh, some leveling out, so to speak, in one part or the other is going to have to be, have more control to, to actually get that done. All right, that's it for us. Segment three, I believe, and um, we're going to move on to our final segment, which is segment four. Um, I got my predictions here for the Iowa caucus, which is February the 3rd, first primary considered um, for any political party. And uh, the Democrats will kick off the election year by having the February 3rd Iowa caucus as we are getting more near and near the uh, 2020 election. So I have my predictions for the Iowa caucus, and I only uh, ranked them 1 to 4. And what I said was, is I'll start with number 4, actually. Um, number 4, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, number 3, Bernie Sanders. Number 2, Joe Biden. And number 1, Kamala Harris. Uh, before you put some input on it, I think the reason I put Kamala Harris number 1 is because of the way she's going after Joe Biden. And she really... She really knows uh, what she's talking about. She has not taken a misstep yet. She's been getting the media attention, and it seems like she's got some big support, and um, them endorsements were definitely a uh, big thing for her campaign. So, um, yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see um, how Iowa um, uh, has, has voted in the past. Um, I would think that they would fall more... Um, a little more towards the moderate side than to the extreme. Um, that would be my guess. Um, obviously, don't quote me on that. Um, but I do agree with some of your, your analysis there. I believe that uh, Elizabeth Warren probably will be fourth if we're counting only to the top four. Uh, I believe that um, uh, you're going to see a pulling forward of Kamala Harris uh, for sure. And uh, so with that being said, uh, I do believe that uh, Sanders will be um, third at that point. If not, then he'll be a close uh, second to Kamala Harris. And I think Kamala Harris ultimately, if I had to, if I had to say today, I'd say for Iowa that would be, she would be second. And then uh, obviously Biden uh, right now uh, would fit more of that that caucus. Um, so that that would be mine right now. Biden one, Kamala Harris two, Sanders three, and Warren four. So if I may ask you about Biden, is the reason why you put Biden over Kamala Harris is because he's more of a moderate, as you said? Yeah, he, he's the he's the furthest uh, the furthest candidate to the moderate side. Although day by day he is caving to the um, extreme left viewpoint, um, but as of right now, if if, if the Iowa caucus happened today, uh, that primary took place, I believe that's the way it would fall. Obviously a lot of time and obviously a lot of momentum for the Kamala Harris campaign, as do you agree with me about that? Yes, I think she's coming on. Uh, I believe uh, ultimately she could be your, uh, she could be your nominee. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, there's a lot of time that runs between now and in uh, the time for for that to be uh, decided, but uh, I do believe that as of right now, um, she is coming on very strong. All right, and then um, my very last question for you, and I want to thank you for coming on. Um, 
on my podcast uh, on my first very first episode as well as um being here because uh, I know you have a lot of things to do so I want to thank you for that no problem um but my last my last question to you is is um how would you rank the Democrats overall not for Iowa not for a particular state but how would you in the end how do you see things happening not now but how do you see it happening after the uh, national convention uh, for the Democrats from five to one who do you see how do you see the uh, final ballots ending uh, I think it's gonna end up being uh, you know somebody like uh, you know the mayor uh, may end up being uh, fifth I think he'll make a little noise there towards the end uh, so I think he'll be fifth and I think Warren will probably uh, ultimately stay about there at the end of that lead pack um, uh, three, I think, will end up being Biden. I think he'll be the third candidate by that point. Uh, and then ultimately, I think it comes down to Sanders and, and Harris. And uh, as as of today, again, if nothing else changes, I think Harris will take uh, the nominee. Uh, and I believe she will be the one running against Trump. Uh, and uh, I believe that's ultimately uh, how it's going to play out. Well, obviously, um, a lot of information to digest there. Um, Bernie Sanders, number two, very interesting, bold prediction there. But I think that we would both agree that Kamala Harris has a lot of momentum running uh, for her campaign right now and that she's probably going to end up on top uh, in the end. So um, I want to thank you for being on uh, the very first episode of my podcast. And um, once again, I want to thank you. And um, that's going to wrap things up. But um, before we go, I want to thank everyone who has listened to this or who is going to listen to this podcast. Um, I also want to um, encourage you to stay tuned to my page to to look and see uh, for more podcasts. Um, this is my first podcast, so please bear with, um, all the background noises. And, um, for my next podcast, we'll keep an eye out on the Great Recession, um, possible, um, trade negotiations with, uh, China. Maybe that will be finished. And, um, some more election news. I want to thank you for tuning in and, um, good night or good day.